This is Burn This Book, a banned books book club where we eat in... <laughs> Let me start over. Woo, okay. This is Burn This Book, a banned books book club where we, Nicole and Eden, read a banned or challenged book twice a month and discuss its meaning, impact, and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers. This week's book is literally all of the books by Shel Silverstein, but we're going to focus on A Light in the Attic, which was published in 1981. Um, awesome. Is that an accurate? Yeah. That's, that's that accurate? accurate. That's accurate. <laughs> okay, cool. Before we get really into the book, though, we have received uh, an ad, and it's not paid or anything like that, but we are just trying to help promote an anthology of um, banned literature. So please listen up, and if you are interested, submit, email us if you have questions, and we'll point you into the right direction. Okay, enjoy the ad. Calling all authors. Unleash your creativity and join Wild Ink Publishing's literary movement. We are seeking poetry, personal essays, and short stories for Uncensored Ink, a banned book-inspired anthology. This is your chance to illuminate the shadows of censorship, challenge the norms, and be a part of a collection that celebrates the power of expression. Submissions open in October during Banned Book Month. For more information, visit www.wild-ink-publishing.com. Thank you for joining us in our fight for intellectual freedom. Let's start talking Shel Silverstein. So, for those who don't know who Shel Silverstein is, he's the poet of our generation, apparently, and all our the generation. generations of pre <laughs> us. He is a really big deal since 1964. Mm-hmm. He wrote The Giving Tree, Line in the Attic, The Missing Piece Falling Up, Everything on It, Where the Sidewalk Ends. There's a lot there. Which he are also, just a series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, He's also a recipient of two Grammy Awards and nominated at the Golden Globe and Academy Awards. Whoa, what are his Grammys for? He wrote a ton for a lot of people, including Johnny Cash. Yeah, he wrote A Boy Named Stu. I know Mm -hmm. that. I don't know of any of the other songs he wrote. He wrote a lot of stuff for... I don't know a lot of these artists... Tom Paul, Tom Paul Glazer, The Irish Rovers, and Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show. Yeah, he wrote a, he like wrote most of the stuff for Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show. That's yeah. so weird. He also wrote two hits for Loretta Lynn, which is also bizarre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, what a fascinating human being. He was from Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. and he served in the army. And yes. he seemed like, like, if you read his stuff, you're like, oh, what a whimsical person. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't actually seem, when, the more like, you get into it, he doesn't seem like a whimsical person. <laughs> he <laughs> what seems do you like a that? pretty intense dude who doesn't oh, actually yeah. like children. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am do you I get right? that vibe? I, don't know. I get that vibe. I, I didn't get that vibe. Like, okay, okay, what vibe did you get? I, I got the vibe that he's, like, a pretty whimsical person who is also kind of intense. He's no, like, Maurice Sendak to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, Maurice Sendak I put on the, the far end of the I hate everyone <laughs> spectrum, <laughs> you know? Well, I guess him, yeah. him, him and, like, Miyazaki are kind of, like, the similar, similar personality to me. Mm-hmm. Where they create these beautiful pieces of children's media yeah. um but they absolutely have 
the worst and most negative and pessimistic outlook on the world. (laughs) Whereas I feel like Shel Silverstein is not that. Like he, he seems more whimsical in his approach to life. It could be because he just like drew cartoons. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it is because of his cartoons. He, yeah. They just seemed more whimsical. There there isn't really anything dark in it. Like if you compare mm-hmm. Maurice Sendax's work to Shel Silverstein's poems, Shel Silverstein's poems are so funny and so wacky. And yeah, yeah, that's true. That's really true. Um I just found a quote that I think you'll like, Eden. Uh-huh. Maybe you've seen this quote. It's on the Wikipedia page so I didn't like look far. But he told Publishers Weekly I would hope that people, no matter what age, would find something to identify with in my books. Pick up one and experience a personal sense of discovery. That's great. I think that if you're a creative person, you should just go about your business, do your work, and not care about how it's received. I never read reviews because if you believe the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones too. Not that I don't care about success, I do, but only because it lets me do what I want. I was always prepared for success, but that means that I have to be prepared for failure too. I have an ego, I have ideas, I want to be articulate to communicate but in my own way people who say they create only for themselves and don't care if they're published i hate to hear talk like that it's good if it's good it's too good not to share that's the way i feel about my work so i'll keep on communicating but only my own way um lots of things i won't do i won't go on television because who am i talking to johnny carson the camera 20 million people i can't see Uh uh-uh and i won't give any more interviews so he had like a there was like a yeah i don't know i just think he was a really pure little creative dude Mm-hmm. I still get the feeling that he's kind of a grump, though. <laughs> Is it because of his mugshot-like portraits? I think it's his pictures. <laughs> Every picture he has, I'm like, oh, God. And the more you dig into his personal life, you find out that he was like, he slept with hundreds, possibly thousands of women. Is Frequent what is visitor noted. of Playboy Mansion. Yes, gross. But he also had a, like, a really tragic life. He met his first wife at the Playboy Mansion. She died after they after um when their one daughter was like turning five and then the daughter died like 10 years later less than that like eight years later of a brain aneurysm it's just like a lot of or a cerebral aneurysm and it's just it's just really sad and yeah so and that daughter a light in the attic yeah go ahead oh yeah yeah yeah. a light in the attic is dedicated to that daughter yeah kind of sweet so he's a multifaceted human being yeah. Um, but his mugshots are definitely very confusing for me. They are. The choices like... of photography. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted his, uh, like his marketing site, and the they have a bunch of photographs on his biography page, and some of them I don't know if it's because it was cropped weird, and you're supposed to click on it and expose, supposed <laughs> to expand, but they were just like framed of just his like toes, or. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Why are they doing that? <laughs> But anyway, yeah, he, his most famous, like, mugshot-looking one is on <laughs> the giving, tr- on the back of the giving tree, the copy yeah. that I have at home. Yeah. And uh, my daughter loves to read books in bed before she falls asleep. And, like, that one I'm scared to put <laughs> in her bed, because, like, what if she wakes up in the middle of the night and Shell's just staring at her with that kind of <laughs> creepy smile? Like, <laughs> with that very somber... His, yeah, he's got a very furrowed brow in yeah. all of his images. <laughs> and like a, not really a smile, smile. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Do you have any <laughs> memories of reading um, A Light in the Attic as a kid? Um, I have a lot of memories of, I don't have specific memories of reading, like, I just remember the covers very well, like, the cover mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. A Light in the Attic, where the sidewalk ends, and Falling Up. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I remember looking at those a lot. I actually remember, uh, I think in elementary school or middle school, there was a rumor that Shel Silverstein was, like, wrote these poems in jail, but <laughs> but as I was like doing research for this, I was reading through everything. It's like I don't think he was ever incarcerated. I don't know where where that rumor started from. It could be from like the same vein of like Steve from Blues Clues is a child molester or like Barney yeah. smokes. Yeah. Um, some kid probably saw that mugshot on the back of the Giving Tree and was like, "Oh, that guy's been to prison." <laughs> that rumor i saw that picture and i was like he's rough i can't do it and i told everybody Uh (laughs) yeah i bet you're right though i really bet you're right i think um he he kind of reminds me of Roald Dahl in that his poems can kind of be dark but they're also like really kooky he's got a lot of animals in them Mm -hmm. and um but the stories are like just very fun like a lot of the time as a kid i was like i don't know what that means but Mm -hmm. it's funny it's like a funny image and i think he like yeah i just I feel like my brothers loved Shel Silverstein so much. My oldest brother had all of his books, so that was a cute thing for me as a kid. That is cute. And um, yeah, and I, and the day I found out that A Boy Named Sue was written by him, I was like, "What?" My whole world just expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are your what like facts did you learn that you were like shocked by Eden? Oh, just mainly the Playboy Mansion stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate how many people have been in and out of that place. It is nasty. It really, yeah. Freaks me out. Ugh. It's such a shame. It's such a shame. Such a shame. That was, yeah. yeah. That was also interesting was that his daughter Shoshana, after his wife died, she moved in with her aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't li- like she didn't live with Shell. So that's fascinating. Like I wonder why. I want to know. Th- I want to know the goss. Yeah. If you just couldn't take care of her, or if you just didn't want to, or if it was just a better situation. Like, I don't know. But yeah. I'm curious. It definitely feels like an unplanned situation if they met at the Playboy Mansion. Um, yeah. Absent but they did father. get married, though. They did get married? Absent father. I thought he married her. Maybe he didn't. Maybe I was just making stuff up. I could have been. Maybe Shell he was super Steve. involved from the road. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know he wrote... being an involved father. He, he... I don't know what the timeline is, but he did draw a lot of cartoons uh for the playboy magazine <clears throat> oh that's interesting and so oh, he did marry susan Taylor oh he did six. okay yeah um so maybe he was like on the road a lot for his work uh he did like a series kind of like shell silverstein explores the world <laughs> i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. you could be right you really could be right and also it could just be that like in the 70s it just was, it wasn't gauche for a single father who lived his life to be, like, maybe it was just, I don't know. Maybe they justified it by being like, he just can't take care of his daughter. Like, it'd be better for her to be there and him spend money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could see them. Them, as in Hugh. Hugh Hefner and his pals. Ugh. Um, 
This is a little bit of a deviation, but did you see that Hugh Hefner's son has a OnlyFans and he's like really mad at his family because they're like mad at him for participating in sex work and he's like that's so hypocritical and uh, <laughs> but yeah there's like a whole like there's like all this drama about Hugh Hefner and his family and his OnlyFans you should dig in wait Hugh Hefner's OnlyFans or I mean sorry Hugh Hefner's son's OnlyFans okay Hugh Hefner is dead but that I know yeah wild <laughs> that'd be so Ugh. wild. Um, That'd be wild. <clears throat> I did go down a Playboy rabbit hole as I was researching this, but really, well, yeah, because the, the guy, the one of Hugh Hefner's sons, is only a year older than us, and he was the one who overtook. Is it is that the son with the OnlyFans? I don't know. I Probably like not, because he he actually left, uh, like running the company in order to um, in order to join the rejoin the army or the navy or something air force yeah i don't know the i don't know family situation <laughs> if you want to go down a real rabbit hole go down dude watch the hulu like secrets of the playboy mansion series. i don't know if i want to <laughs> it is so heavy yeah no um, thank you no thank you back to back, back to, to shell, shell. <laughs> what an interesting first name also just throwing that out there sheldon Sheldon, but like that, you'd choose to go by Shell, you know? Yeah, Marcel the Shell. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Marcel the Sheldon. Marcel the Sheldon. Marcelin the Sheldon. <laughs> honestly, Marcel the Shell. It has very strong Shell Silverstein energy. To be quite honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, a light yeah. in the attic. There yeah, are one hundred thirty-five poems in this book. But you can actually hear a recording on Spotify of Shell reading this. And it's actually, so the, the microphone that he uses just records every click and pop of his mouth. <laughs> and oh, he does, God. like, really, really, really silly voices. Um, some of oh, them were... cute. It's pretty cute. It's really cute, like, listening to Shell bring his own poems to life. Um, so that was pretty oh. fun. I would recommend which, that. Which poem is your favorite in that book? Uh, the one that I laughed out loud in was Little Abigail, Little Abigail and the Beautiful Pony, where like she wanted a pony so bad, but her parents refused to get it for her. Uh, at the end, she was just like begging for it until she died, and then her parents regretted <laughs> not getting her the pony. <laughs> and very like it reminded me of a Christmas story. Yeah, yeah. Where he he comes in and he's like he's blind. He's like, oh, no, what happened to you? He's like, it was soap poisoning after getting his mouth yeah. <laughs> washed out. It's like, I feel like there are a lot of moments as dramatic little kids where we're like, then I'll die. And then they'll be sorry. Like, <laughs> and then they'll feel bad about it. Totally. I mean, that's why we all ran away like multiple times, like ran away in quotations uh-huh. as kids. It's like, then they'll be sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> then they'll regret it. Mm-hmm. Gosh. That's so cute. That that kills me. Yeah. Um, How about you? The whole thing is really great. I like the... I honestly do like A Light in the Attic the best, though, because mm. it is a, a little guy that I can think about all the time. Uh-huh. And also, it's like... It's very... It like brings me back to being a kid and being just curious about what's happening in other people's homes. Mm. I feel like I've lost that whimsy and also recognizing that, like, there's something going on in those homes they're looking at you and they're curious too and I think like that's um 
Yeah, I don't know. I just think I I want to live my life a lot more like that. People yeah. in people's homes. <laughs> no, but but just a lot more curious about the things that are around me because I don't think I do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but that was such a huge hallmark of being a kid. Yeah. It was very romanticizing other people's lights on in their houses. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like kind of what this whole book is about is just being romantic about and silly about everyday things that just don't matter. Yeah. And like being a kid again. Um, yeah. I, and I guess that is what Shel Silverstein kind of gives us throughout the whole thing. And we see that in his music also. There's not really a big point to it Mm-mm. other than just like whimsy. So I yeah. guess you're right. I guess my whole opinion is wrong. <laughs> well, the yeah, even with just the... don't match. Yeah. <laughs> even with like uh, a boy named Sue, like that's pretty such a silly song in itself. And Shel Silverstein it has a recording of him singing it as well. Really. And it's just like him fading off, like my dad could have named me Bill or Walter, or... <laughs> and just like fades out. <laughs> like perfect children's rage yeah about stuff and it's also like yeah well it's fair <laughs> that's yeah. a fair issue oh my gosh because we're kind of talking about shell silverstein a lot mm-hmm. i'd also like to bring out that like he does like the giving tree is the book that has an, a clear moral mm-hmm. in it um but has also been like really <laughs> really talked about and that it's actually not a very healthy it's like a very capitalistic moral and i don't think shell meant it that way but it's kind of turned out that way yeah. In that it's like, it's good to just take him from the earth as much as you can because it's there for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I think he wrote it from the perspective of, like, the tree is so loving and kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so that, that's, like, kind of interesting, like, how his work has kind of changed over time. But I don't really feel like his poems have. But I do feel like The Giving Tree has. Yeah. Whereas the rest of his work, I don't really feel like, I feel like it's just kind of stayed the same because there wasn't anything he was really saying. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm... Maybe yeah, that that makes sense. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Like the Giving Tree, the yeah. Giving Tree. I think people it has more for people to dissect. Yeah, because oh. there's clear intention with how that was written. Mm-hmm. And I think there's intention with all of his poems, but I think the intention was to write something silly or to to be childlike. Yeah, his perspective. I don't think his intention was to teach us a, a thing about like virtues. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, what does it? What makes it a good poem then? Is my next question. I don't know. Like, why are his poems so good? Because there's other people that write crazy poems. That's <laughs> so true. Why is Shell so so delightful to us? That is a good question. Is it just because he his books were written and published in the era that our parents, like the boomers were graduating high school and going to college and stuff. So it was like that era of them buying books for their kids or for their future families, you know, like I wonder if that, or if because he was so ingrained in pop culture, that's why he's been able, like with Dr. Hook and the medicine show, is that how he's been able to like, you know, stay such a, a fabric of American pop culture? Cause like, yeah, I've thought about other poets who've done similar things and they haven't hit the same. Like I just, I'm curious why he's lasted versus others that aren't, like, these deep, powerful works. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of other, like, off the top of my mind, someone who, like, genuinely made stuff for kids. Um, like, I can't think of, I can't name another poet who did this kind of, these kind of poems for kids. Can you? 
You were you yeah, said that all you I had... can think of is Dr. Seuss. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna find you I'm gonna find you a list of other poets. Because I the, the other person I can think of I don't know if he's a contemporary, let me look him up. Is Rafi? Yeah. I think he's a contemporary. Which... He's had the stronghold like the I don't think he's held on to us the way that the way that, that shell. shell has. Yeah, even with Rafi, like, that one I only, like, Greg brought Rafi into our family. Yeah. Through his upbringing. But, like, even for me, like, well, having immigrant parents, reading Shel Silverstein came when, from my elementary school library. Yeah, me too. It was always in schools. I was about to say yeah. that. It's always in a classroom. Yeah, um, I or remember. Or like the posters of the covers were in a lot of classrooms. Not yeah, middle school, middle school. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know his. I think like the simplicity of his drawings also um, stimulates imagination as well. Yeah, I think where like you're you look right. at I think it, it's the combo because like the falling up cover, and the where the sidewalk ends, it's just like such. He he just like draws such a little segment of it and the rest of the page is white and so that you can like fill in the blanks yourself as a kid. You're like, yeah. oh like what else could be there? Or something. Like I, I I could imagine if I got that book for my daughter, she would just be up at night looking at the pictures and being like imagining what else. Like, oh that's weird. This this head has a house on its head. Like <laughs> Yeah. It, these pictures are so wild. That is true. That's a really good point. And he says a lot that as a kid, he wished he could have gotten all the girls and he wished he could have been good at baseball, but he wasn't. He was just, all he knew how to do was draw. So that's all he spent his time doing was drawing and writing song lyrics, which then eventually became his poems. So drawing is like an integral part of his creative process, which is pretty cute. Pretty cute stuff, honestly. And like, okay, okay, I love him. (laughs) Comparing like, comparing these drawings to Dr. Seuss, which are so full of color, so full of imaginative creatures. Like, it doesn't give... Yeah, there's not much for... There's not much left to the imagination, you know? It's just like, oh, I see an elephant with, like, a cute little tiny who mayor. (laughs) Totally, totally. That's so true. Gosh, well, 10 out of 10 for Shel Silverstein. 10 out of 10. I don't know how much more we should talk about him. I think I think we basically covered the the depth of our good friend Shel, Sheldon. I don't know. I don't what else what else is there? What else is there, Eden? I think that's it. Oh my gosh. Hot dog. Should um, we end this? We should. I think I just found a picture of Shel with long hair. <laughs> oh my gosh, send it. Send it to me right now. I will send it to you right now. Gosh. What a unique look he has. He does. He, oh, I found his, his photos on his website. Ew, the one with his feet. Yeah. Why are we, oh, why is it weirdly, like, seductive? Is Very that? sexy. Is that him I with his know. hair? I think he's trying to be seductive. Wait, I'm going to see. Oh, my gosh. Why is he looking over his shoulder in that big? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm attracted to this guy. If it's Shell, sign me up. I don't yeah. think it is. So why do you think he has been banned or challenged? Or specifically this book? Because I think his books, his writing encourages kids to be disobedient to their parents. 
Mm. I have that same thought too. That's my thought. And I think there's some witchcraft in some of the poems. If oh, I is there? Correctly. Isn't there like a poem about a witch? Is that in this one or is that... There's like one about a cauldron. And it might be... It might not be in A Light in the Attic. Oh, maybe. Okay, let's look this up. Okay. Okay. Attempts have been made to ban this book from some libraries in the United States. Parents claiming that the poem How Not to Have to Dry the Dishes encourages messiness mm-hmm. and disobedience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that one. so good at this. Yeah. <laughs> you are very good at this. Yeah, that Thank poem, you. it says, like, how not to, how to get out of drying dishes. Basically, you just drop the dishes and you break them, and then you don't, you won't be asked to dry the dishes again. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. And then also the little, po- the poem Little Abigail and the Beautiful Pony resulted in criticism for describing the death of a little girl whose parents <laughs> refused to buy her a pony. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's pretty depressing. <laughs> yeah, but pretty fun. But I think um, it like it yeah. kind of it plays with it's like not giving kids credit with being silly. Like no, like no, kids know how to be silly. Kids know like if you have the right consequences in place with your children, <laughs> right? Like well, oh, if you right, drop though, yeah. if you drop a dish, uh, you're gonna have to clean that up. Yeah. Carefully, like I'll yeah. be watching so you don't cut yourself. But yeah, and we were talking about that resentment that kids have with their families, with their parents. It's like, oh, like they'll wish, they'll wish they never did that to me. Yeah, <laughs> it was so poisoning. <laughs> oh, it's so cute and so wild. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Honestly, yeah. I feel like I just feel like letting kids be kids is a thing that is. There's a limit to it, of course, but, like, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't have kids. I don't even think I can talk on that, but I think that the the poems were fun, and mm-hmm. I think if your kid is interested in poetry, this is a great place to start it and to get them writing their own poems. Also, the Shel Silverstein website even offers lots of activities that oh. go with each book that you can download for free. That so is so cute. There's, like, a lot of, like, kits that you can download for free, to help your kid um, compile their own poetry portfolio. And there's, like, a lot of, like, little, like, word activities and games. And so, like, they, they really do work hard, this, the Shell Silverstein Estate, in making this accessible and making sure that kids can benefit from this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think, like, if your kid is interested in poetry, this is a great place. Or just put this book in the bathroom. Your kid yeah. can practice going to the bathroom and reading some poetry. Exactly. <laughs> Taking their time. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Awesome. Honestly. Honestly. So cute. Uh, but it's so cute. I can't wait for your daughter to start getting really sassy about stuff. Like, I'm going to die if you don't give me that Pokemon. <laughs> That's my dream. Okay. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we've, like, made everything a game with her. So I think she's going to grow up with some whimsy. Like, in order to get I, her to brush her teeth, I'm like, I'm a monster who wants to eat teeth with bugs on them. And that's the only way she'll brush her teeth. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. And, of course, she's going to grow up with whimsy. I mean, she's being raised by you and Greg, so obviously. True. There's no question. True, no true. question. No question about it. Okay, I'm going to end my little thing. Awesome. Well, thank okay. you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> Please subscribe. Please follow us on Instagram and interact with us. And because and I, I need friends. 
I'd love if you guys wanted to do a book club and like actually read with us. That'd be so fun. Oh, that'd be so super cool. Just, yeah, message us on Instagram, get involved. And if you know a librarian or a library or even a, an English teacher that could use like a spotlight, let us know. We love that kind of stuff. We just want to support all of you guys in your reading your books. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. is produced by us, Nicola Corin and Eden Wen. Music written by me, Nicola Corin, and produced and performed by my dad, Frank.